This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two squirrels eating seed from my bird feeder, Renee Rodriguez. <laughs> it's Simon, it's Simon Dominey Little. Hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> Thank you both for joining me. This episode is already off to an incredibly chaotic start. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to both of you. This is episode 274 of I Read Comic Books. I guess before we get into things, before I ask my question that I ask every single week, we have a guest on this episode. Simon, thank you so much for being with us this week. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself before we get into things? Um, yeah, so I am a educator. I have been reading comic books for about 20 years, probably about this stage. Um, and I used comic books when I was younger to help me learn to read. So they've kind of like embed themselves in most of my reading for my entire reading life. Um, nice. I studied at the University of Glasgow where I studied theology and religious studies and English language. And we had a comics reading group. So we would kind of focus, try and get people to talk about comic books from an academic point of view or try and take them really, really deadly serious, but in a fun way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's funny. I think that, you know, through a series of, of strange events, I don't remember how I, I came across your podcast and it was like one of the most amazing things I, I had listened to in a while because it was it was this this like heavily heavily like intelligent discussion about comic books but you guys were still having a lot of fun like you bring in you know have a big conversation about spider-man and go into a lot of the deeper themes around spider-man but also just sit back and say you know but i'm also just a spider-man geek and i like all the insanity that comes with you know these big superhero books and i I remember just being floored by it just because it was it was such an interesting small little niche podcast It, it like really impressed me and i think we got to you know talking one way or another and you told me that you would listen to our show beforehand i mean like how, how did like how, what happened with your podcast and i guess how did you wrangle all the people for that show i think people just really want to talk about comic books and when you have people who are academics they don't get to talk about kind of fun things like that as much as they maybe would like to we were just having these really deep discussions in a room together and i was mm-hmm. like we should probably record these um sure so it was it was more just kind of by chance that we started recording them um but it was good it was it was fun and I think it just became too much work to be both an educator and to be doing the podcast full time. For um, sure. Yeah. But it, it was really fun. I really, I kind of, I kind of miss it. I've, I miss having those really deep conversations where you would say, you know, Green Lantern is fighting space people. And what does that really mean? Like, what was that mm-hmm. saying about the seventies or the eighties right. or how we were understanding, you know, racism or how we should be interacting with other countries and those kind of ideas. Yeah, that, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that that Green Lantern series that you did was like, like blew my mind. I never I, you know, not even I'm not really a big reader of Green Lantern by any means. But just to hear you and uh, the professor that you had brought on for that episode to talk about like what that how, how the Green Lantern represented like the American military industrial complex and stuff. I was just like, this it blew my mind to, to even look at it and approach it like that because I never considered that being like an allegory for, um, for or I guess like a or a comparison to the American military industrial complex and just like the overt like push for like either either commentating on it or or trying to subtly push that this is okay this is the way that imperialism works in the modern age so yeah I mean I I think that 
you know, if, if folks out there get a chance, I think there are a couple episodes still out on the internet. I know Simon, you and I are trying to work out something to hopefully get those episodes back on the air um, in some capacity. But uh, man, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that podcast. So I'm glad that you're on the episode so that we can definitely bring you down to our level where we're not having those types of conversations. Instead, we're just talking about how we like comic books and stuff. But uh, I appreciate you being here nonetheless. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds sounds like a great deep dive. Especially because yeah, yeah. I I love Green Lantern. And I I also kind of wonder if you guys did the tangent of like uh, when Green Lantern did his book with Green Arrow and whatnot, and like you know what that says about Green Lantern being the military figure that realizes that you know Green Arrow's ward has a drug problem and all that. But we're not going to get into that. But right, I I feel like now we've got a handful of episodes where we got to have Simon back for. But anyways, let's uh let's get into comic books. Let's get into talking about what comic books we've been reading. So I'm going to ask Simon, just to go to you, how have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, yeah, I've been I've been wonderful. Um, the comic books I've been reading, I've, it's hard to get comic books right now in Scotland um, because we're in lockdown. Shops aren't as open as they used to be. So I've been rereading an awful lot. So I've rereading J. Michael Str- Straczynski's um, and John Romita Jr.'s Amazing Spider-Man run. Okay. Um, but the one I read this week was issue 508 to, or 503 to 508, um, The Book of Ezekiel. It's the weirdest take on Spider-Man I've, you know, it's, Spider-Man is like this totem to the spider, which is a really weird idea. He's attacked by kind of waspy creatures. He's attacked mm-hmm. by fly creatures. Um there's too much dialogue, um, <laughs> but I think it's it's you know comic books from the early two thousands did that an awful lot, you know instead of this you know just showing us what's going on they had this kind of urge to describe the panel or describe Peter's face or describe the enemy's face and I was just, oh slow down like you don't need two hundred and fifty words a page. <laughs> Simon, are you saying Spider-Man talks too much? Uh, yeah, he does. He doesn't need to describe who he's fighting. I can see who he's fighting. That's great. Um, so that's my kind of been my main read um, at the moment because it's been hard to get single issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but just delving back into my love of Spider-Man. Spider-Man was the kind of the thing that I read the most when I was young. Um, so it's nice to get back into the the run that was like, a formative run for my love of spider-man right and then realizing that it's not as good as i remember um oh no <laughs> which is a hard a hard thing to deal with um because there's just a bit of you know he, he's spider-man's a bit sleazy and every time they come across um a group of young people who are you know making trouble in the neighborhood they're always you know they're they're all like youth culture and they're mostly African-American. And it's like, oh, could you have not done that at the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the, it's the culmination. The reason that I started rereading all these Spider-Man was because I loved the Civil War run. Right. And I was right. going to reread the Civil War run, but I wanted to read everything that came up before that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fantastic run of Spider-Man. I think that's that run is what got me to read Spider-Man in the first place, because I think when I really started getting into comics, um, 
like beyond just like picking up random trades and stuff that I had no idea about. I think Civil War had just happened or it was in the middle of happening. And I remember being so blown away by some of those issues with Peter Parker where, you know, he reveals himself. I, it's kind of a bummer to hear that some of those maybe if you go back, don't necessarily hit. Is this is this part of the Civil War run or is this before or after? So this is the the issues leading up to the Civil War. So okay, okay, um, it's kind of resetting the status quo for Peter. They were, you mm-hmm. know, him and MJ are getting back together. Um, he's living with his aunt. You know, like all the basic Peter. They were just setting it up to, so that it was the standard Peter. Um, right, right. And then all of a sudden, Civil War happens, which is phenomenal. Which you know, some of the best Spider Man I've read, for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely like have very fond memories of that run. So it's kind of, I guess it's weird. I think J. Michael Zdrzinski was just trying all sorts of weird shit at that time. Did he did he end up writing the Civil War bits as well? Uh, yeah, he wrote the Civil War parts. Um, but the major tie-in, you know, that story was told by Mark Miller, really. The, the right. revealing himself and those spoilers for a 20-year-old comic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was there anything else you've been reading, Simon? The... Only thing, well, there's very few things I'm actually able to get weekly um, at the moment, but Batwoman, Batwoman, Batman, Catwoman, Batwoman, Catwoman might be a better book. Batman, Catwoman. (laughs) There's definitely an audience for that, I'm certain. Yeah. Um, Tom King and Clayman and Clayton Cowles is, I'm interested to see where it's going. Um, I just read issue two and the big reveal of the end of issue one um, has a s- slow payoff. Um, I'm not sure if I really, really get the book. Um, it feels like it's a final panel comic. Like every final panel of every issue is the thing that, that sparks interest with the 20 odd pages before that are kind of lacking something I find. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But I don't know if that's a Tom King issue at the moment that, you know, reveals are the more important storytelling technique as opposed to having 21 pages of something fun to read. Oh, man, that's a trend in all sorts of things. But we're not going to get into that right now because I don't have <laughs> yeah. the energy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy reading it. But it's like, am I the only person that saw Clayman and Clayton Cowles and was immediately like, oh, Batman villains? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I never put that together, but now that you say it, it's perfect. I mean, Tom King <laughs> sounds like a Batman villain too. I mean, I'm just I, saying. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, Inject yeah, yourselves absolutely. into your stories. Do it. I'll read it again. Anyways, Renee, speaking of of you being insane today, uh, what have you been reading? How have you been? <laughs> um, you know, Mike, that's a big question. But, big question. Uh, you know. I've been reading, and that is that is where I'm going to leave it. Okay. Been really reading because that's the, you know, it calms you down at the end of the day. It's always good, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, who needs sleep when you've got you know full, you know, full library, digital and otherwise. Um, <clears throat> so I read this week. I read this book called uh, "The Magus of the Library," Volume One, uh, mm. story and art by Mitsu Izumi. And it's kind of like Witch Hat Atelier meets Magi. And I kind of heard that it was like supposed to be like Full Metal Alchemist somehow, which I don't really understand. 
Um, but I've only read one volume so far. And that could have just been Kindle, you know, trying to sell me, which I mean, they nailed it because I read it and uh, <laughs> I really like it so far. Uh, it's basically, it's about books, but there's also magic and monsters, but it's mainly about books um, and how books are important. And I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> You found a very weird thing that I'm into. Again, thank you, manga. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, read that, and it was good. Um, I also crushed the uh, all the volumes vi- available of uh, Horimiya, also known as uh, Horisan to Miyamura-kun, or just Hori and Miyamura, uh, with story by Hiro and art by Daisuke Hagiwara. And uh, I started reading this because I saw the, the anime has got like four episodes out or something like that. And at the time, there was only three so I watched those three episodes and I was like, well, uh, I'm interested. So I guess I'll just plow through all of the volumes that they have available on Kindle. <laughs> okay. um, so, you know, and while it's currently it's published through monthly G fantasy uh, magazine, um, it's actually an, ad- an adaptation of a webcomic. Um, so, and the, so the credit is still given to hero who wrote the original webcomic and, uh, but the art's really good. It's a slice of life story. Uh, you know, it's basically a shoujo series, uh, but it's good. I'm enjoying it. And uh, I, was, I was looking at the synopsis for that. And the first line is a sweet, quote, awe inspiring tale of school life begins with two exclamation points. So um, now I definitely need to read this. Yeah. Yeah. Very slice of life. Very, uh, very uh, like high school romancy. Um, but it's nice, and it's got it's got this very kind of silly humor that isn't really that funny, but really cracks me up. So it's it's very nice if you've had a very intense day and you can read something that's very silly and dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I like it. it's very nice. It's very airy. Um, and then the other thing I read was a uh, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad, and volumes one through uh, thirty four, which is the entire series, crushed it. In about a week. Um, <laughs> Renee. Oh my gosh. <laughs> with a story and art by Harold, uh, Sak- I want to say it's Sakuishi, um, but it could be Sakushi. Uh, I don't know. And I originally read this, I started reading this series for um, the music episode for I- IRCB that I was going mm-hmm. to be on, but unfortunately I couldn't be on that. But uh, I started reading this book for that and I ended up loving it and I intend to buy it physically uh, because it's really good. It's about a band. It's about these, these guys that decided to become a band and they're trying to, you know, make music and get their music out there, become successful. But it's not like they're just trying to be successful. They want to make good music. And then it's all about like, you know, breaking it big out in the West and also the trials and tribulations they have to go through with uh, the recording industry just in general as well as in japan and feuds and other things and even there's also some just really weird stuff that's that they have to end up dealing with like gangsters and stuff mm-hmm. um it's also it's very weird and it's also a bit graphic and also there's like two side characters that are like really kind of perverted and i didn't really enjoy that uh, luckily one of them goes away like fairly quickly the other one kind of sticks around but you don't see him too much but the majority of the series is very very good and i really enjoyed it and uh the author kind of based the band off of red hot chili peppers because he really really likes them which i didn't know until after okay. i finished reading the series because uh actually while i was reading it i 
was pretty much listening nonstop to Bandmade's new album, Unseen World, which is dope, by the way. But like, so that was kind of like this. What? I had this sort of like quick pace rock that? band. Uh, it's a band called Bandmade. They're a rock band from okay. uh, Japan, and they, okay. uh, they're a very fast paced, like kind of like pretty hard hitting rock band. And then they dress up as maids because one of the the guitarist used to work at a maid cafe oh. in Japan. And so they were yeah. like, it would be funny to be dressed up as maids while playing this, you know, really hard rock music and it's dope. And unseen world is a great album. And I was listening to that and I'm reading this story about music and like, you know, you're, you're sort of seeing these pages and you kind of have to think of what the music is. Mm-hmm. You, you can pretty mm-hmm. much imagine the music being whatever you want. Like they kind of hint at like what it's supposed to sound like, but it can really be sure. whatever you want. So it's like, how do you not get amped like hearing these bass lines in your head? You know, and yeah, it's, it's a really good series. And the entire series is on Kindle Unlimited. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read the whole series there. But I highly recommend it. It's really good. It did have an anime and a uh, live action movie. And the music from those are actually both pretty dang good. Uh, but I would say read the series first. Don't let any other outside music kind of like you know uh what is the word like infect what you're affect how you're reading it yeah influence thank you yeah don't let any outside music influence it before you read it and then kind of do those things afterwards but it's a it's a really good series it reads pretty fast at least for me Mm -hmm. again crushed it in a week (laughs) (laughs) i mean but you you're you're a different breed of of manga reader though i think because you (laughs) i remember you were mad that shonen jump the shonen jump had a app had a 100 chapter per day limit yeah that's um, outrageous <laughs> i Excuse can't even you. imagine i can't even imagine reading that money like individual chapters of manga um it's funny you mentioned this though because we did i think we did mention like a screen cap of this last on the last episode the the music episode that we did um i remember when this was announced on comiXology unlimited because it's on, on on there as well um and i always thought this was a really cool series because apparently it's pretty popular so maybe this will be the one we were talking about this last night um on the discord hangout maybe this will be the vo- the, the series that gets paul into manga one day we'll get him i um, mean i don't know <laughs> okay i don't all know right. that well, man let... beats to the sound of his own drum and i mean god That's love true. him for it but That's you true. know to each his own but i think i think if there was going to be a series that he wouldn't mind reading it would probably be this one gotcha well i'll put this on my forever list because it sounds interesting and usually don't steer me wrong when it comes to manga so um i might have to check that out but anyways for me this week um i've been all over the place uh kelly and i we bought a car because we need to go to New Jersey and all this other stuff. So um, yesterday was my big drive along New Jersey, drive through a large swath of New Jersey to try to potentially find somewhere to live and also play the Pokemon Go Kanto tour thing that they did yesterday. Uh, so if you're a Pokemon Go fan, hit me up, I guess, because it's what I do. I played for like six and a half hours straight yesterday. <laughs> um but uh, other than that, yeah, we had a Discord hangout last night, which was a lot of fun. I think folks were on until like 2 or 3 in the morning again because, hell yes, I, I love you guys. I jumped off after like three hours, but like this, it was a blast last night to hang out with everybody. Um, and as for comics that I read, uh, I sat down and read Immortal Hulk Flatline. This is a, a one-shot issue that... Um, is part of the Immortal Hulk series that's kind of independent of everything. Um, 
like there this like you if you have an idea of what the hulk is and you kind of understand at least a little bit of what al ewing is doing with immortal hulk like this is an amazing single issue and i think even if you go in with just like a cursory bit of knowledge about who the hulk is and you sit down to read this issue it's super powerful i mean it was incredibly depressing but also really moving at the same time um it's really dark it's it's got some implications in it that i did not think a hulk book would ever go into um about just like the relationship between bruce banner and the hulk um it's extremely powerful i i I don't want to spoil it because i think that everybody should check this single issue out if you get a chance if it goes on sale i think this is a great really powerful uh, i'm gonna say powerful 100 times single issue that you can check out and i it reminded me how much i love declan shelby's art he is an incredible artist from from beginning to end i i didn't credit the colorist on this because i think someone else colored it but um yeah his art is unbelievable from beginning to end you can tell he put a thousand percent into it there are some panels in this book i posted one on twitter um that just like shook me in in just the way that he portrayed bruce banner in uh the hulk's relationship um that that i you know we see it in a million other comics with the reflection of bruce banner standing in front of a mirror but i think the way that shelvy did it in this book is a progression in in one portion of the comic was just absolutely brilliant and yeah i really miss just having a regular book with his art on it rest in peace injection i don't think we'll ever see another issue of that book um since the whole ordeal with warren ellis that went down then yeah i don't necessarily have any intent to buy any of his books in the future so yeah i just i hope that shelby can can get back into the art side of things i know he's been trying to do more writing and stuff which which all i'm all for because i think his writing is pretty solid um when it hits really well but um, yeah, this issue was amazing. And I think like this is, again, proof that Shelby is a multifaceted artist. I would love to read an OGN that he you know, wrote and drew. Um, and I know he's got some stuff coming down the line, so I'm very excited to see what else he does. But this is a killer single issue. Uh, the other thing I read this week was Hollow Heart number one. This is written and lettered by Paul Aller with pencils, inks, and colors by Paul Tucker. This is a comic from Vault Comics that I saw the cover and I was like, huh, that looks kind of cool. And I just bought it on a whim because I'm that kind of a sucker when it comes to like comic books coming out on Wednesday. And um, it's it's somehow a comic with only a notion of a story. Like you get to this first issue and you kind of don't, you know what the story is, but it's only because you got a taste of it. They only gave you a morsel of the actual story at hand. Um, and I wasn't even bothered by that. Usually I'd be like, I feel like a book like that would be feel actually for lack of a better you know word hollow like there wouldn't be enough story to actually keep me going but aller's writing hits a pacing that i when i got to the end of the the issue i was floored by how much i felt like i understood and how many things i needed answered um which is going to drive me into issue two right so um I, I feel like there's this world that gets established really quickly. There are these there's these robot people that are trapped in this lab for some reason. I don't know how to say they're trapped. They're machines created by this company. And one of the people who's this caretaker of this semi-organic robot feels bad for this robot, understandably so. There's this there's a lot of stuff going on in this book. And I just couldn't believe how excited I was after reading this issue. And I went through like four or five or six other books on the night that I read this. And this was like one of the last ones. And I just like fell backwards out of my seat because of how incredible it was. And I, I really think that this book has the potential to be a smash hit really, really quick. It's probably going to be a mini series. I think that's kind of how Vault usually runs things. And I'm all for it. I think that this, uh, yeah, this is definitely going to be a big book. Um, uh, Tucker's art, I think, throughout the book is a little kind of just in the middle. I wouldn't say it's astounding by any means, but there's definitely a lot of heart to it. Um, 
it's it's i don't know it's it's kind of the like a your your standard independent book or art that has like its own style and feel that is definitely not trying to appeal to all audiences um but i i wouldn't say it's bad by any means it's just kind of in the middle um i think there's a couple pages that really really nail the overall tone and feel of the book like the cover for instance is just unfucking believable and there's a couple of pages throughout this that i was just like kind of impressed by but yeah i definitely think everybody should check out this first book because i think the first issue will hook you really really hard and not in the way that a lot of books hook you where the end is just like a gotcha and it's like you know you have to come back because you need to know what's happening next the entire issue i think is a is like a well-paced 4-4 beat at 120 beats per second and you get to the end and you re- you realize that there needed to be one more chorus in the song and so you have to pick up the next issue for the rest of the the, the song so yeah, I just I cannot get over how well paced this book was. So that's that's me ranting and raving and being excited. <laughs> um, but yeah, pick up this book if you get a chance. It's it's fantastic. You've sold me. Definitely sold me on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. That's that's what I'm here for. Um, I can't wait to get my check in the mail from Vault. Um, <laughs> I wish. Um, anyways, uh, I guess let's let's move on. Comic books are coming out on February 24th, 2021. Um, what are you guys excited for this week? I'm going to toss back to Renee. Oh, you know me, Mike. I'm always excited for manga. I know. At this point, I'll be excited if you if you toss in a Western comic here. It'll blow me away. You know, maybe, maybe next time, because definitely not today. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, this time, it is Nine Dragons Ball Parade Chapter 2, which actually drops today on the Shonen Jump app, if you have it. And if you don't, you should, because it's really cheap. But uh, not, a, not a paid ad. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, Nine Dragons Ball Parade, it's mm-hmm. a new sports manga that debuted last week. It's about baseball. It's only been one chapter, but I already feel like this is a sports manga that has already taken over my heart. I'm already all in, and I feel like that is a problem uh, for someone else, not me, because I'm going to enjoy every last minute of it. So it uh, feels good already. Feels good already. I'm excited. Um, story by uh, Mikiyasu Kamada and art by Ashibi Fukui. Forgot to say that, but uh, it was a good first chapter, man. I was mm-hmm. uh, I was in tears and I was psyched at the same time. It was great. Yeah, I'm glad that you that you brought this to my attention because you know a good sports manga I think is hard to come by, and I'm glad that you get excited for chapter ones because I feel like a lot of people. I think you told me that you you know friend of yours or your buddy. Uh, like only really gets excited about books if there's like 50 chapters or something out he won't because he then won't. the book actually has had time to grow so um i'm glad that you still are just like yeah this chapter one was killer because i think this is how you got me into kaiju number eight um was you were like this is a killer number one and i absolutely love that series now yeah it definitely is kaiju number eight if anyone isn't reading it you should because it's going down it's dope uh but yeah my my buddy it's not that he won't read new series but it's just that like he he has a reading speed kind of similar to mine uh, and he has that kind of mentality where he can sit and just power through something and then when he's caught up he's like well i want more and Mm -hmm. so it's it's more it's not like that he's like oh it's not worth it it's just that with the way that we read it's like i would like it to be this long but if a series like is completed or something like that like within 30 some chapters or if it was less than 50 but we're like you know oh it's really good you should read it he will read it it's not to say that he's like only 50 or some but Mm -hmm. uh simon what about you what are you excited for this upcoming week um hopefully i'm going to be able to actually get a single issue this week or single issues this week but uh yeah um x-men 18 um so jonathan hickman 
Mohammed Asrar, uh, Sonny Go on colors and Clayton Cowell on lettering. Um, I've just, I've just devoured this X-Men run. Um, mm-hmm. It's everything that I love about the X-Men. It's obtuse. Everything is over dramatic. Um, <laughs> it's hyper no. kind of aware of its being. Um, and I love, I've just, I've, I, I've been just eating up everything Jonathan Hickman anyway. I like how he overanalyze his books and really he's a big, I feel like he's a big thinker when he writes his books and they're not just, mm-hmm. I'm writing stories about summers. Um, he's writing something about a human being or a group of human beings going through something. Um, so I'm just desperate to see what he adds to the um, weird ongoing s- sections of the X-Men um, stories that we're getting. Um, I found that, you know, the Hickman X-Men book is a bit strange because you get one issue and you find out one thing and then the next issue is set with a whole group, new group. But I'm I'm kind of enjoying that kind of monster of the week or problem of the week format. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's, it's him laying a lot of seeds for other books in a lot of ways, right? Because the whole like for instance the orcus stuff you know is is slowly making its way back um into the other books which i'm very excited about and you get to vote so go out and vote (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah and we get to vote oh i keep forgetting about that thing um oh brother well my pick this week i guess before i get into my pick you know as i've said in the last couple of weeks it's 2021 we're doing something wild if you want to read comic books and you want us to buy you some comic books you should talk about the show on social media mention us talk about your favorite comics and tag the show if you do that or if you share the show just in any capacity tell people to listen to ircb we you can win a 20 dollars gift card to comiXology midtown comics or your local comic shop if they do something like that just make sure to tag us on social media and let us know because we want to help you read comic books this year and yeah, so I guess the other thing I'll get into is we did have some picks on Discord. Danny said that he was into Nuclear Family Number 1 by Stephanie Phillips and Tony Shastine from Aftershock. Uh, Crashmore said they're into Symbiote Spider-Man Number 4. I guess that's a King in Black tie-in. And Nick, who's here listening live, is into Skulldugger and Skeleton Boy Number 6. All great picks. I'm glad that other people are reading the King in Black stuff because eventually I'm going to want like a ten to fifteen thousand word essay about King in Black, so just I can so I can understand it because I don't know if I could bring myself to read all the King in Black stuff because it's a huge event. Anyways, but for me this week, I am excited for New Mutants number eighteen. This is by Vita Ayala, uh, Rod Reese, and I want to say, you know, am I a broken record? Absolutely. Is this book totally deserving of me picking it every month? Absolutely. I I don't know what it is, but there is something so fun and exciting about this entire run of New Mutants where where Vita is writing. There, they are incredibly talented when it comes to capturing. I think a lot of the voices of the various characters in this run. And making me remember how much I love these little kids from the New Mutants run all the way back during New Mutant Academy or New Mutants Academy X. I, this whole thing that, that they're doing with, uh, I guess, the big villain. I don't want to reveal it, reveal it in case people haven't read it. But the big villain that's happening here and the secrecy and the uncertainty and the question mark. I think that's been like draped over this new run of the series um, is very, very intriguing. If you were a fan of the show Legion, I highly suggest you read this run of new mutants because I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So um, yeah, this, this new mutants runs that pickup that picks up with the new creative team is just something spectacular. And Rod Reese's art 
I, I feel like as soon as I can get to a comic book convention safely, I'm going to find Rod Reese and I'm going to pay a stupid amount of money for a commission of Gambit just being Gambit or something or just a whole bunch of mutants being carried around by like a giant, I don't know, Doug or, or Warlock or something. I don't know. I just want something drawn by Rod Reese because their art is incredible. I say, Hear me out, Mike. What if you got Rod Reese to commission like Gambit signing something for you at a con table? <laughs> yes, Rod Reese. Um, could you could you insert me into the X-Men fandom really quick I, or X-Men universe? I'd really appreciate that. Um, just draw the big beard, draw the big hair. I'm unkempt. I'm terrible. I, I look like I haven't washed in months. Please just do that. Yeah. Yeah, in a world where so, somehow on on that the mutants are able to have a convention that Mike can go get an autograph. Yes, I mean in in the world of Krakoa, right of the X Men universe, like COVID wouldn't even be a problem, right? They would have fixed it. So, like, come on. Anyways, we can all hope and dream. Uh, yeah, so we're going to take a quick break with that that strange note. Uh, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the comic books that have shaped the way we read and understand comics. It's kind of a it's kind of an out there topic, but I always say that on the show. So we'll be back in just a second. For our show this week, we are talking about or asking the questions, I guess, what comics have shaped the way you read and understand comics? Um, as I said in the break or before the break, you know, this is kind of a vague out there question. But, you know, I wanted to, to throw something wild at this, you know, our good guest, uh, Simon and Renee, to see what they would come up with. And um, we had a little bit of discussion, uh, you know, before the show and stuff. And we've got some notes here. So I guess like to get things started, you know, the, I think the thing that I was approaching this topic with was what are some comics that really changed the way I understood things in terms of like what was possible in comics and helped me understand like how to notice like bigger themes in comics and maybe genuinely just feel something when it comes to comics. So like I, I, I jotted down some examples here, like one book that I think really struck me when I was first really getting into comics was Sin City by Frank Miller. I think this comic really broke my mind um, in how like, comics could be told from a the standpoint of like just a black and white like strictly black and white um color um palette with you know some some color dotted in here like reds and bright yellows and bright blues but you know if you read the first couple of volumes of sin city it's it's incredible the amount of imagery and like starkness you're able to define with just black and white in that book um and I think, you know, with, with Frank Miller and I believe Klaus Jansen, who worked with Frank Miller on that, um, it's it's unbelievable to me that that book can be so detailed and so powerful with only using like a two color palette. Um, and I know we, you know, we taught on books that, you know, like Box Brown, for instance, who in a lot of his books uses a three color palette um, or a two color palette in some cases as well. But I think like the the true like heavy black, heavy white usage in this book really, really blew my mind um, when it came to understanding what really the possibility of comic books were just to to think about like how much you could do with so little, you know? I guess, I don't know, Simon, Renee, how did you guys take this? I guess we'll, we'll start with you, Renee. What, what was your original thought on this? So I actually didn't know what you meant. Uh, oh, sure, 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 I sure. Was, and I, this could just be that like, I'm just not in that mindset normally of... Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just thinking I'm, I'm a very plain person. Like I take things at, at face value a lot of the time. So when you said what shaped the way you read and understand comics, I was like, um, I don't know, just go left to right or right to left up, down, flip the page. 
you know, because uh, I just didn't really understand what you meant. And okay. it actually took talking to my brother about because I was like, I don't know what, what he wants from me on this. It really, <laughs> it really, it really like shook me up for a couple of days because I was like, I don't know. I just kind of, but it was kind of like, I, I, when I grew up reading comic books, we would get random issues that we would find at like the swap meet or garage sales or yard sales, whatever. And so they were always like random comics or comics that people would be like, Oh, I have these. I don't want them anymore. And so you would have like one or two and some of them would be really worn out. So you really only had like, you know, half the pages and most of them were ads for three musketeers or something like that. Right. Um, right. The candy bar, not the movie, uh, but could be both though. Yeah, it could be because it was like in the nineties and you know, that Disney movie had just come out, which is a classic by the way. Anyway. <clears throat> um, so it was just kind of like, I always just got whatever, whatever I could get my hands on. And, you know, and like we grew the way that I grew up was always just kind of, my my dad and my mom would watch different TV shows and my brothers would watch different things. And so we would watch anime or, or uh, Hercules. And then we'd also be watching like some crazy action movie or something really serious that my mom wanted to watch. And it was just like this huge bit of information. So when I was reading comics growing up, it was just like, that looks interesting. Why not? And then I would just sit and read the whole thing because it was like, mm-hmm. it's just here. Why not? which has kind of which clearly has kind of turned into this I'll power through and read everything that of this series so that I know what it is. So it's just kind of like I I never really had this idea of like something that changes or like change the way that I I read comics because I still do that like if something catches my eye or whatever I'm like what's it about what is it and understanding comics i always thought because i always saw like just these huge differences between everything that i could get my hands on i was like sky's the limit in comics Mm -hmm. it could Mm -hmm. be anything it could be anything and everything and definitely uh so i think i think i still read comics like that i still look for comics like that if anything has really changed the way that i understand comics it would be uh and (laughs) i saw that we were going to end up talking about this again mike uh, but mm-hmm. Bakuman talking about the, <laughs> you know, the manga creation process. Uh, talking about yeah, like yeah. what goes into making manga, and I guess that really only changed the appreciation of, like you know what people go through to make these things. But even that hasn't changed the way that, uh, like, I search for books, and even because it's it's just like when I was in fifth grade, it's you know, you're, you've got some time to kill at the library or the bookstore and you just pick up something or someone goes, Hey, you should read this and shoves it in your hand or tells you, you should look for it. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of the way that I do that. Gotcha. Um, well, that's interesting. I, I, I think, uh, I maybe I want to touch on some things, but I, I kind of want to toss over to Simon. I mean, what was, what was your, I guess, interpretation of this incredibly strange question that I threw at you? The way I thought about it was um, what kind of books have kind of taught me how to read comics and how have I changed as a reader over the 20 plus years that I've been reading. Um, Mm -hmm. So my kind of background with comics is kind of the same as yours, Renee. So random issues um, of Spider-Man, they were kind of reprinted in the UK and sent to Ireland where I grew up. And 
we would just get a kind of an anthology of Spider-Man comics. None of them related. None of them have any continuity with each other. Just seven mm-hmm. random assortments in like an, an annual that was quite thick. Not the annuals that we get from American comics, but you know, issue number 107 of this run and 36 of Web of Shadows and something from, from all this other stuff. So I've never really cared about continuity when I was young. I just, I just read 21 pages of Spider-Man doing something weird and then read a little bit of X-Men and then maybe a little bit of Spider-Man from some other mm-hmm. creator. So that kind of idea that you would, that continuity was never even something that I even thought was a thing um, when I was a young reader. Um, I kind of grew up reading anthology comics in general. Um, I'm not sure how aware your audience or even you guys would be of books like the Beano and the dandy i don't know if that's a thing that you've ever even heard of i can't say that i have okay um so they're kind of like kids comic strips but it's like a full page comic strip and they would just have random stories so dennis the menace was one of those stories um minnie the minx desperate dan so there's just these more desperate dan is like a cowboy who eats cows um, and I, I, silly books that have no continuity like that's where I was getting my um, that's how I used to read comic books but gotcha. they changed with books like what we were just talking about with Sin City you're like oh someone's telling a story here with multiple books that I have to read and they're all connected and they all read together um, mm-hmm. so that was kind of like what I was thinking about when you were saying how have I changed as a reader Gotcha. Well, no, I mean, again, this is I, I, I kind of threw this out there because I wanted to I wanted to see what people's interpretations of it would be, because I think that there's, you know, a lot of, you know, everybody's going to have a different uh, like story and background on like what how they changed as a comic book reader and, you know, what things influenced you. Because like when, when I think about a lot of things, you know, Sin City was the first book that came to mind to me, if only because. I, at the time when I was reading comic books, you know, I was into I was reading Walking Dead and Invincible and uh, X Men books, and I didn't really know what books to pick up. And then I found that there was this standalone, just like on its own book that didn't have a lot of volumes to it. And I was like, yeah, I'll definitely try this. This looks interesting. Um, again, I I didn't know much about comics at the time, so I didn't know who Frank Miller was. I just thought it was a cool looking book. Um, you know, only to find out that it was like, oh yeah, this you know super influential comic book creator of like the eighties um, wrote this series, and it's like, oh okay, so that's that's why people are so you know head over heels for this book um, at the time, and um, yeah, so like I you know I I think I learned you know like a lot just just from that book, understanding and doing research on my own of just like you know how how comic book creators can like. I don't know, like the, I, I learned a lot about, I guess, like the meta world and the publishing world when I started to look into who Frank Miller was, because then I picked up his Dark Knight run and I, you know, had questions, you know, how does this play into continuity? Because I understood that Batman was been running for years and years and it turns out it didn't, you know, like I think my, you know, I, when I point, think about individual comic books that change the way that I read and understand them, it's more just a matter of like the more I explored, the more I understood the comic book world, which made me even more excited about comic books. You know, like reading something like Invincible, like I was saying before, I learned about this meta commentary that Robert Kirkman was doing on all of the favorite superheroes that I had known about for years, right? Even though I hadn't been reading Superman and Captain America and Batman and X Men and stuff for years and years, I understood that like Kirkman was making jokes on those 
those things that I understood as someone who kind of lives in the cultural world and the nerd side of the, you know, cultural society of like, oh, he's making fun of the fact that superheroes wear capes or he's making fun of the fact that, you know, different, you know, superhero gimmicks are a thing and he's trying to turn them on their head, which is why I thought Invincible was such a groundbreaking series. And I think that a lot of people still think that Invincible is a groundbreaking series for some of those things. The meta gimmicks that Kirkman would do where, you know, I think there's an iconic issue that everyone reuses on the internet about about panel reuse and how it makes artists look lazy and stuff. You know, you can still find that in common in any book today. You know, I think I was reading an issue of an X-Men book recently. I don't remember which one. But like I saw someone just use the same panel two or three times in a row, just zoomed in. <laughs> it's like, you know, that doesn't mean that it's wrong, but it is like a, a something that artists do to try to save themselves time. So like, um, you know, reading books and understanding. And I think, you know, the big thing isn't is not so much reading, but also having conversations like this show, you know, on the show and with people on the Internet and stuff, you know, for better or for worse, um, have shaped the way I've 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 understood and and read comic books and chosen comic books to read in in like for the most part i think a very positive way and i think i've you know learned a lot because of that so yeah i don't know i i I guess like my my take on this was like are we just gonna sit here and talk about how understanding comics by scott mcleod is the only book that we can talk about here or was there more to it than that (laughs) yeah i don't know i don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that as well but as someone who definitely studied like when i was doing my undergrad i I did a lot of my essays and a lot of my stuff on comic books. I never read mm-hmm. Understanding Comics. Um, oh, blasphemy. <laughs> I know it's, it's it's blasphemy, but I felt like that's the kind of, he was pointing out the stuff that you already know. You're like, this is how comic books work. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so. Sure. Yeah, I mean, but, I've never finished that book. I mean, I, no, I think I've still got it on my shelf with like I'm two and a half chapters in or something like that. Like, so no, respect, no disrespect there. I, I only joke because it's a, it's a heavy book to get through. Yeah, yeah. I've read I the had, f- opening. <laughs> I had a very snobbish moment with that book in the bookstore. <laughs> How so? I saw it and I saw that the title said Understanding Comic Books and I went and shut up and walked away from it. <laughs> <laughs> So you had the same reaction as Simon is what I'm hearing. <laughs> Basically. Well, I had the, I had a similar uh, experience when I walked into Barnes & Noble and they had Death Book – or Death Book, wow. Death Note <laughs> yep. Volume 1 uh, th- with a sticker that said, now a Netflix movie. Except I said something worse than shut up. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I've never read Understanding Comics. I didn't – I didn't really – that didn't really call out to me as like, you know, maybe I am doing this wrong. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's probably an important read if you're analyzing comics from an academic perspective. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah if, if you're just reading comics, you know, you don't necessarily need to be told that when you sure. turn over the page, you get surprised and like, Oh yeah, I've no, I've noticed that myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I mean, not, not I to think... just downplay Scott McLeod's incredible work. He has been no. very helpful. Yeah, and I think it, it, it is a it's still a very important book, right? It's still mm-hmm. a book that I know a lot of designer friends that I have, um, they read it as inspiration for understanding how like web design should work. Because comic books, you know, and web design aren't necessarily the same thing. But you know, if you're trying to build a product on the web that someone is supposed to be delighted by, right? To use really businessy terms, um, 
you want to continuously deliver delightfulness as people go from page to page to page. So you don't necessarily want to surprise them, but you do want to create an awe-inspiring thing that keeps them interested in your product as they're using it online. And that doesn't apply to everything. It's not like you're going to go to your bank's website, you're going to log in and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to put my username and password. I wonder what's going to happen (laughs) next. And you click sign in, you know. Um, But it's still like, it's still applicable to make sure that you are creating interesting things on the web and that they flow the way that people interpret things. And of course, that changes depending on where you are culturally, right? Because if you're in a Western society, things, you know, flow top to bottom, left to right versus other cultures that, you know, things will flow top to bottom, but right to left. And so you have to design and understand how things work from that regard. And I think, and again, I haven't finished understanding comics. So like, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong here, um, people. I don't know if, if Scott McCloud goes into talking about how manga works, because that's a different interpretation of things. Um, but still, like understanding those fundamental concepts and understanding how, you know, page layout is extremely important to ensure that the flow of, of a comic book page works applies incredibly to things like web like web design or visual design um graphic design in a lot of ways because they follow a lot of the same rubrics um in just just in the way that people interpret things so if you know you put in crucial information in the top right corner of something people might miss it although we've been trained as people who use the internet to look to the top right for a lot of different reasons but um this isn't the Mike is a web developer podcast. This is the comic book podcast. So I'll kind of step back here. Um, but yeah, I think like it's it, that book is, is still crucial, but I don't think I know anybody who's a comic book reader that said, I sat down and read understanding comics and now I understand comics better. <laughs> because like you were saying, Simon, I think a lot of people who read comic books already get a lot of these fundamental things. Um, but it's it's almost like a thought experiment to say, you know, what if someone who's never read a comic book read Understanding Comics first, and then they dove into their first, you know, issue of something? Um, would they have a different experience than someone who just picked up a book and started reading it? Because I don't know about you guys, but like sitting down and reading a comic book for the first time, I might I might have gotten lost in the panels, and I think some people do get lost in the panels. Um, I don't know if you guys have any more if, if, thoughts on that. I need to stop talking and just ranting. No, no, I, I, just I go for I actually, forever. So well, the first time I read a manga, uh, it was my first my first reading of a volume of manga, and I still have it. Dragon Ball Z Volume Four. Boom! I got lost a bunch of times trying to follow the flow, and I was like, "Which way am I supposed to read this?" Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. at the very back of um, of the books at least when they're translated into English, if you go to the very back page, it says, hey, you're reading in the wrong direction. And it shows you an example of how you're supposed to read the book. So when I was mm-hmm. first reading manga and I would get lost, I was like, how am I supposed to read this? Because they were like, the panels were in a weird way. I would flip to that back and be, and kind of like see how I'm supposed to read it and then go back to the page. And right. that would that would help. And even sometimes now, like I read a lot of manga. But like still, sometimes I'm like, I don't know how that's supposed to flow. The bubbles are overlapping each other. This is a weird page. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always give like the artists um, benefit of the doubt. If I don't understand how to read a page, um, mm-hmm. I always go, oh, they, they intended me to be confused. They intended me to get lost here. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, uh, there's... like the unwritten. That series is so hard to read. Oh, my God. Well, that's that's really interesting that you bring that up because, um, you know, I, I worked over at Comixology for a while 
And one of the things they talked about is their their guided view process, right? So if you're if you're not familiar with Comixology or you're not familiar with their guided view, you know, you can go into a digital comic book from Comixology and I don't remember there there's a signifier I think when you buy the book if it has the guided view. And what you can do is you can like double click on a panel and it will guide you through the book, right? The the intended reading order. So there's an interpretation done by people at Comixology to basically make it so that you can read through the page, you know, in a guided way that's zoomed in and stuff and focuses on things that are relevant to you or relevant to the story as you go through it. And one of the things that they had, I don't know if this is insight or whatever, but like they, there was a, a talk that, that some people gave one time that people that work on that. And they were like, here are some of the hardest pages for us to do guided view for because the authorial intent, you know, whether from the artist or from the letterer or from the writer is not clear to us. So we have to make an interpretation about how we think this page should be read. And so there was this one page in particular, I don't remember what comic it was from, but in the center of the comic, there is like someone fighting someone else. But then there are just a ring of panels that surround that center two page spread. And so based on the dialogue and stuff, it's not really clear what the order is. Do you start in the top left? Do you start in the top right? Do you start in the middle? Do you read things left to right? Do you read things from top to bottom, you know, as you cross the page from left to right? It was it was a really interesting exercise that they demonstrated because, like you said, you know, sometimes Simon, the author maybe or the, you know, the artist or the the letterer may have intentionally made things vague and uncertain. Or maybe it's just a not so great job of, you know, adding lettering and and, you know, panels to the page by the you know creators um so yeah i don't know if you know this i can't think of any particular books where i've actually had that problem like i don't remember having any issues with the unwritten but i remember i remember reading that book and finding it really interesting i just remember it being hard to follow like some of the story pieces being hard to follow oh, yeah. which is why it's very vague <laughs> i don't think i continued it even though i've heard so many good things about it yeah, I'm like, um, i always took that to be like i'm just an idiot and people you know this book is just smarter than me <laughs> i'm on like volume five and uh, uh-huh. i i like it but i do get frustrated because sometimes they're like oh we're physically going through something so we're going to show you and you have to like turn the book like all the way around on for like five pages or something like that because mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. flip flops and changes the way that it is and it's like i see what you're doing but also if i ever meet you in person i'm gonna beat the piss out of you for ego <laughs> oh brother um well yeah i guess um were there, were there other comics that you guys had in your notes here that you wanted to make sure that we brought up um i wanted to bring up deadly class just okay because um it is an absurd realized world um i i'm never i never care if a comic book sticks to its continuity or if it changes a character or if someone seems inconsistent with who they're supposed to be and i think deadly class creates this absurd world where we have teenagers who are assassins and that school is underground yet also has access to being above ground for some reason and the kind of the artificialness of the comic is just smashed into your face um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what i love about comics like that is that it's like we are a comic we are silly we're having fun and just come along for the ride it's and and i think sometimes with comic books we can become too serious and say you know this doesn't fit with reality but it's like 
it's a comic book. If it was a TV show, I've not seen Deadly Fast TV show. I don't know if those drug infused um, assassinations work as well as they do in a comic book. Um, Cause mm-hmm. I like the artificialness of a comic, you know, that's something that comics do that is really interesting. They like, mm-hmm. this can be silly and weird because it's just a comic. Don't get, don't get too serious about it. Right. I, so what I'm hearing is that you came on this show after my years and years of saying that I'm not a fan of deadly class to convince me to read deadly class. Is that what I'm hearing right now? Um, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's because like the, the lead character is just a punk um he's just sure. a punk kid and i'm uh-huh. at heart just a punk kid <laughs> okay okay Boy, do i have some uh, manga uh series to uh recommend to you <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's it's funny because you know i i think it's funny we were literally just talking about this last night at the hangout um about you know i think nick has been trying to read through deadly class because he's a huge fan of of west craig and um i i'm kind of in the same boat where like i there's something about that book that makes me really want to like it and i think it's that exact reason you just pointed out like i would i wanted to be that punk kid i want like or maybe i was in a little bit of ways uh, that punk kid when i was a teenager um and so i really wanted to like that book but something just didn't click for me but then some folks in the chat said that when you get to like volume three or four is when the book really starts to take off and I'm like, well, I've already bought all these volumes because I was a sucker and there was a sale and I was like, sure, I'll just buy all the, the you know, the digital volumes. Um, so maybe I'll have to give it a try. Maybe this is one of those books that's going to change the way I understand or the way I read comic books where I don't just judge them by their cover because obviously Rick Remender and Wes Craig are doing something right in that book because it's gone on for so long and I think it sells pretty well. So um, what I'm saying is that I guess I'll try it just just for you, Simon. Just for you, I'll try for the, this for book. the punk kid and all of us. Yeah, for the punk kid and me and the punk kid and you. Yeah, I'll try and it. Mike, weren't you a punk kid? Weren't you like in a metal band in high school or something? I, listen, we're not talking about that, Simon. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> I think Deadly Class is a really clever comic. Um, okay, it's because it uses like the Harry Potter format that all these right. kids are in houses and they're all like against each other and. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it only lasts for a really, really short period of time. And then it's just mm-hmm. about teenagers being teenagers. Like, okay. That's what it's really okay. about. I think that's what the the comic is really about. Like, if you allow teenagers to do anything they want, this is what they would do. <laughs> they want to destroy <laughs> society. They want to be harmful to each other. You know, it's like mm-hmm. teenagers are dramatic and this book <laughs> is dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like dramatic in a good way. I'm not suggesting that teenagers should tone it down or anything. I love this, but it's, gotcha. I feel like it's it's um, you know it's like testosterone and exploding. I don't know. It's crazy. It's a crazy comic. You should definitely read it. Okay. Okay. And so so I guess yeah. So this I I. Okay, fine, sure, whatever. Simon, you know what? We're going to hear back. I'm going to bring you back on the show to either drag you or praise you. Okay. Just a heads up. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> deadly class, many so. Deadly class, many so. I guess, I guess it's going to have to happen. You could do a full read-along of the entire Deadly mm-hmm. Class. <laughs> oh, brother. Oh, brother. Um, Would it have to have we'll some see. kind of good pun, like going seat by seat or, you know, class by class, hour by hour, mm-hmm. something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess let me let me try to rang things back into the topic before we start making promises that I can't necessarily keep with, with Xander's time. Um, 
So another book that I, I did want to bring up here today was um, Extreme X-Men number eight. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware. I'm sure that, you know, diehard Marvel fans out there were probably aware. There was this month that happened way back, I would say almost 20 years ago, um, called the Nuff Said Month, where there was just a slew of dialogueless um, issues of comics. Um, and Extreme X-Men number eight was one of those books. And this is a Chris Claremont book. And there was a time in my life where I was just like, I'm never going to read Chris Claremont. He's overrated with having no justification for that. I just knew that everyone loved him. And so since I was like trying to go against the trend and everything, I was like, I'm never going to read any of his books. Um, and then I was like, OK, I got to understand this Rogan Gambit story that he wrote. Um because Extreme X-Men is full of that. And reading Extreme X-Men number eight, I had no idea what was going to happen. And so I picked up this issue. And as I was reading it, there was just no dialogue. And I couldn't believe how interesting of a story was being told without any dialogue. And it, for the first time ever, I was just like, oh, this is... You can you can tell comic books with just the pictures? I think I actually... It got through my head that comics weren't just a a you know medium about text with pictures it was about the art form itself and the imagery imagery of the letters you know on the page are part of the greater artwork and so when you strip away all of that and you tell a story with just the pictures um you can still deliver as powerful of a story as if there were dialogue and captions and stuff like that and i mean we all know chris claremont chris claremont writes a shitload in his books you know if we're if we're ranking him with you know other writers and stuff you know he's he's up there maybe beyond brian michael bendis and stan lee when it comes to the amount of you know writing that he puts on the page so to see him tell this story in extreme x-men number eight with no dialogue really just floored me um and you know i've seen many of other issues that didn't have any dialogue danny in the chat a little bit ago mentioned um hedra as a book um which is very impressive with the guided view if you read that digitally but also that book has like little to no dialogue and i totally understood everything that was happening in that book um and i think that was like one of those books in my quote-unquote formative years of reading comic books that really like made me understand like that there's more to just the writing in these books and while that issue was clearly written um by chris claremont and Zelda laroca working together but um it still just like showed me that this 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 medium could do a lot with just the imagery um on the page i don't know if you guys had any experiences like that as well um well there's there's two books i want to talk about really quick that sort of um <clears throat> i guess didn't change but made me kind of aware of something is and i, I brought up that the first like real manga I, I read was Dragon Ball Z, but um, sort of mm -hmm. like before I'd only watched the anime and, you know, they just kind of have themselves yelling at each other for a long time, powering up and whatnot. Um, but if you read the right. manga, the fight scenes are so fluid and quick and the way that Akira Toriyama really kind of set his panels so that your eye naturally follows the movement. And it's almost like watching the fight happening like you just get so mm -hmm. caught up in the panel movement and just the quick pace of it and that could also partially be just the way that i i read uh but i i think that there's something with the way that he you know even still in dragon ball super they've been able to capture the way that you know characters actually move in a fight and it's really really cool to see that because like when you see something so fluid and have such like feel a, something that feels alive like it kind of to switch to something that feels very stagnant like another book where it doesn't have something like that you're just like really aware that people are talking 
for a very long mm-hmm. time. And imagine I, imagine switching back and forth between reading Dragon Ball Z and Death Note. Um, <laughs> I don't have to imagine. I've got both of them on my bookshelf. <laughs> right, um, right, right. It's uh, yeah, that's. That's actually a good way to conk yourself out is like to read like the cell fight between Goku and cell and then just mm-hmm. switch to the first volume of death. Now just <laughs> out like a light. Um, yeah. But the, the other book uh, that I wanted, that I really want to talk about uh, is Hikaru no go, which. Oh boy. Uh, is my favorite manga series. And actually the artist of Hikaru no go is the artist from death. Note. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. But the like I at the time that I started reading Hikaru no Go, I knew nothing about Go, so I didn't understand any of the plays going on in the book. Right. But no, no spoilers, by the way. I'm in like volume ten or eleven right now. Okay. Okay. Well, I I think I'm gonna stick with volume three at least right now. Sure. But like the way that the game is drawn. Like, especially when Hikaru's just learning the game and he's like saying, you know, oh, the, the grid is like, is like, you know, a starless sky and I'm placing the stars on the board and the way that it's drawn is this very vivid and beautiful thing. It's something that you don't even understand, but like the emphasis they put on moves and on, you know, just sort of seeing where things can open up or where things are dead, you know, that's, it's, even if you don't understand the game it's drawing your attention to this to at least show you that something is off or that something is important here. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the artist doing that through the paneling and also just through the, the art and the shading and whatnot. But I think that that was a very big thing. That's a very big thing in that series. And that was a big thing for me just reading that series. Cause it was like one, I didn't understand anything about go when I first started reading it when I was like 11 or 12 and right it made me want to learn because I was like, would I have a bigger understanding of this manga that I love if I was able to understand the game? Hmm. And the I mean, like, yes and no. Like I know a little bit about go now, but like, I mean, right. stories are still that, that manga is still like super, super awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know nothing about go and I think that that book is incredible. It's probably one of the best manga I've read in a very long time. Hands down. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's very emotional. Yeah. It's very good. Definitely. Um, Simon, what about you? Is there any, any last books you wanted to bring up before we wrap up here? Um, there's just two books. I think Danny brought one up in the chat, which is um, Greg Capullo's Batman Court of Elves, when you had to turn mm-hmm. the book. Um, like the physical book became part of the reading experience. That kind of blew my mind when I did it mm-hmm. um, all those years ago. Um, that the the thing that you're holding is also part of the experience of reading was something that I had never even thought about before. Um, But there's another book called hostage by Guy Delisle. And it's about um, Christophe Andre who become, who gets kidnapped and is taken hostage. And it's a very hefty book. So it's about two inch thick book, 300 plus pages. And, Mm -hmm. At the start of the book, he starts telling you that he, oh, he's going to get out soon. But the art, the book itself is so big that you're like, well, we know something that he doesn't know as a reader because this book is so big. <laughs> right. Um, so it was like those kind of things where the physical media 
also teaches you something about the story. I just, those kind of things blow my mind. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I always, I always think of like when, when it comes to like physical books and in terms of like, um, how they tell a little bit of the story, all I can think of is I bought this copy of the madman, like 20th anniversary or 10th anniversary or something. There was some, some 3d special that Mike Allred did. And I was just like, floored that comic books were still trying to do that kind of stuff like I, it came with 3d glasses and stuff um but yeah I, I i really respect that that idea of of people and creators taking the story that they're trying to tell out of the book itself and making the actual medium like physical media like part of the the storytelling i think that's that's really interesting i guess i i think i i was aware of that i just never considered it as like a means for telling the story especially when it comes to something like a story like hostage um that's that's really cool. I've I've been meaning to read that book. I actually I think I bought that as a gift for Nick, and then like the whole world fell apart. And it, it's like, how do you read a book like this? That's that's very very depressing, <laughs> you know, when everything go, is going on. Um, Listen to Perry so, Grip while reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, cool. I guess you know I'm gonna try to. I guess we're gonna wrap up here. I, I really appreciate the discussion here to get today, guys. Um, this has been this has been really fun and interesting um just to kind of focus on this very vague question that i had um so glad we 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 found a lot to talk about um i guess before we go simon um if if you want where can people find you on the internet if they're curious about other comic book things you may be interested in um the best place to find me on the internet is twitter so it's dom with a little d um Mm -hmm. it's a weird spelling so i'll maybe yeah. We'll put so, it in the show notes. We'll put it yeah, in the show so notes. It's a, it's a weird spelling, yeah. So I try to keep a running catalog of everything I read um, on Twitter. And also, if you want to hear my hot takes on professional wrestling, you can go there. So that's the <laughs> best place to find me, Twitter, wrestling, and comics. The only two Perfect. things, the two greatest pieces of um, culture that this human being create or have created as humans have created definitely definitely i think uh our our good friend paul would definitely agree with you there too well for the rest of us here at ircb you can follow renee at rodriguer 29 you can follow me at mike rappin and you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at ircb podcast where try to post pretty regularly you know i'm doing all that i can this episode first aired on Patreon, and it's possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Sagas, and much, much more. You can join now at patreon.com slash Podcast. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Uh, five stars or one star. We don't really care. I'm just kidding. We all no, no, five, five stars. stars. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us spread the word about IRCB. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can join the IRCB Discord community that we've been talking about on and off here this episode to chat about comic books and so many, many different things. It's all over the board at this place. Um, and you can listen to our episodes live like a lot of the people are right now. Uh, you can join at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. And it would help us a lot, though, if you could also tell a friend or two about the show or maybe your local comic book shop. Uh, Infinity Shred does all the music for our show. They are the best band in the universe. We can't thank them enough. Their new EP just dropped this past week so make sure you go check that out on Bandcamp. Xander is a very cool guy he's a great editor and just a nice person to talk to sometimes I want to thank him for everything that he does for IRCB I want to say thanks to Renee and Simon for being on this episode Simon it was an absolute pleasure to have you thank you so much um and I want to say thanks to uh Crashmore and Danny and Nick who are hanging out with us in the chat uh, on discord so thank you guys and everyone out there who listens to the show we really appreciate it until next time we got to remember 
comics are good and so are you